Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ideas Matter by William Collins. The big ideas of our times discussed by the brightest thinkers. Five. I like to be in top gear at all times. It's 10.02am and the editors of William Collins, publishers of fascinating non-fiction for over 200 years, are discussing their favourite gear. I last drove shortly after I passed my test. There's Tom. But I seem to remember enjoying a, a modest three. Miles. Do you think you can't get into any other higher like gear in North? Probably. Other than three? Probably. I just remember feeling like I was in control, but I was also going fast enough for it to be fun. Arabella. I had a lovely sports car, and because of growing families, we have bought a van. And Carlos, who's stuck in traffic again. It has a fridge. The family car is a van with a fridge. That's <laughs> <laughs> a full family, of family that means business. Yeah. Ah, Carlos. Carlos has arrived, and so the important business of the day can begin. Arabella, it's your turn this week. Who have you got for the podcast? Well, this week we've got uh, the wonderful Clarissa Farr, who has just stepped down as High Mistress of St Paul's Girls' School and is an educator par excellence. Arabella, as a mother, this this book must have been a, a helpful edit. <laughs> what did you What did you learn to, to apply to your own children? Well, obviously, <laughs> tips on how to get my daughter into this school. <laughs> no, reasons, oh, seriously. Reasons for publishing the book, number 923. Um, what I wanted to learn from this book is a sense of what schools can be. We all have very vivid memories of school. For some of us, it's the happiest years of our life. When I was told that um, when I was a schoolgirl, uh, I spat venom at anyone um, and did not believe it. But school is a is a visceral memory for all of us, whether that's a happy, happy, sad or indifferent one. And uh, this book takes you through school life month by month and it's based on her experience in one school but it is applicable to everybody Uh, it's about the start of the school year the expectation um, the beginning of learning your curriculum uh, about managing um, a staff of school of 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 teachers Um, and it takes you through the school year exam pressure um, the importance of leadership in schools um, how to deal with uh, children with learning disabilities um, eating disorders uh, all of the mental health issues that are so prevalent today Um, and to manage expectations um, in terms of um, exam expectations um, but also to encourage the arts and theatre and practical technical education we're not all cut from the same cloth and schools should be able to nourish and nurture these vulnerable young people to be fantastic and to do so in a way that is um, happy and stimulating um, for everyone no matter where they are and this book sets out Clarissa's manifesto for uh, how she thinks that that is possible okay and here is Clarissa Farr in conversation with Arabella 
So, dear listener, sit up straight now, eyes forward, uh, no talking at the back, please, as we welcome Clarissa Farr to the Ideas Matter podcast in conversation with her editor, Arabella Pike. I think school is within all of us, even if we haven't ever been into a school since we were a pupil ourselves. We've all had that experience and we've had it during a very formative part of our life. So most people from the age of five to perhaps 16 or even 18 will have spent most of their conscious hours in a school. And what I find is when, when I start to say to people, what was school like for you? What are your memories of school? Lots of thoughts, experiences, people start to come floating to the surface in our minds. So if we're thinking about that now, we can probably all see floating up now our favourite teacher, our least favourite teacher. The places, the classrooms, the corridors, the smell of the, the polish, food, the, the, food. the food, well, whole subject there. So the experience of school is a universal one. We all have it. And I think that's important because even if we don't have children that we are that we're sending to school so whether we're reacquainting ourselves in that way if we don't become teachers we've still got that experience inside us and I think very often it's those experiences at school which help shape what we are as adults what we become the sorts of things we think about the sorts of attitudes that we have so if you like it's a kind of wallpaper or it's a kind of lining in our memory in which a lot of other things sit so it's a universal experience. Yeah, no, it's fascinating because I, I thought the obvious answer would be education, what you learn at school, whereas you're taking a much more sort of foundational approach to what school is and can be. I think what we learn at school is obviously also very important. And as everyone knows, that's so much more than, if you like, the substance of the classes that we attended. I mean, some of us can probably remember a few dates from history, but in many ways that's not really the point. At school we learn things like how to make relationships with people, how to form friendships, how to cope when friendships go wrong, how to compete, mm-hmm. how to collaborate, how to become part of a pack, how to join something and get on with other people, how to live within a structure, how to, how to manage when your day is divided up into certain portions of time, how to get things wrong. I think another reason school's important is we can fail there and learn and start again. So there's all sorts of learning that's residual, I think, in our adult lives, which starts at school and which is every bit as important as the content of the curriculum, which we might or might not retain. Yeah, remember. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's interesting you say about school being important for teaching people how to fail when you've come from uh, the experience of running some of the most highly successful schools in in the country is that is that something that you saw in your direct experience as a teacher and ahead yes i think all good schools are an environment where it's possible to fail and then to learn from that failure and and move on and, and rebuild and that goes for whether you're a pupil or a teacher or whoever you are because a school is a learning environment and and fundamental to the learning experience is that it's a gradual process and you don't get everything right first go so even in as you describe it a very high achieving school there is the possibility of not doing something brilliantly there was um, an an adage uh, at St Paul's I don't know where it came from exactly 
as a poor liner, if, if at first you don't succeed, destroy all the evidence that you ever tried yes. in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you have to learn to be a good failure, if you like, and not to feel that you have to sort of ace everything the first time. If you have that expectation, then obviously you're going to founder later in life or sooner rather than later, probably. I mean, would you say that encouraging individuality in pupils is the mark of a good school? I think a, a good school helps students find what I would call the the true grain of the self, the direction in which they can naturally grow and develop. And that's particular to each of us. Because we're at school in those formative childhood and teenage years, that's the time when we're, if you like, most excitedly exploring the many ways in which our path might go. So yes, I think I think a school should be there watching and encouraging and nudging as individuals find their own path. At the same time, I think the the collegiate aspect of school is also very important. School matters because it's social. You know, we go there to get on with people. So you've got to balance that emphasis on individuality and finding the grain of the self against or alongside working with other people so you know a bit of your edges have to get rubbed off so that you can you can make things work together and that's another important skill so I think it's a combination of learning to live in community and finding out who you are. How do you get to know your pupils when they start? When a new pupil joins the school you need to get to know her and you need to get to know the whole family as well and one of the things that I used to do was to invite parents to write me a letter about their daughter when would that be in the in the summer before they usually, started yes usually usually we would send out what we called our joining information in about june and in, as part of that i would say write me a letter about your daughter tell me about her personality her interests any special experiences that you feel we should know about any special achievements write in any way you like about your daughter if you don't want me to share i won't but i would like to share this with her year head and her form tutor if there's anything very sensitive just for me let me know that but write to me about your daughter and most parents would take up that opportunity and of course absolutely love writing to me on that subject because for every parent your child is your favorite subject of what, what is more interesting so i can still remember now lots of these letters of course they reveal a great deal of touching and priceless information about the whole family uh, in the, the way the parent would write which parent writes what they say just specifically about the girl but also about relationships and the context the girl's position in the family so hattie Hattie's very sensitive. She has a very close relationship with her grandmother. They love telling each other stories. She's a little bit apprehensive about joining such a big school. Or Charlotte is absolutely exhausting. She's editing in a magazine in her bedroom and we can't wait for her to actually interview her teachers so that we can stop having to contribute every week. <laughs> These sorts of things. So a beautiful way for us to learn about the girls, but also, I think, to begin to build trust with the parents. Because as a parent, you're asked to write about your daughter. You think, well, these, these people obviously are really interested. That's great. It's, it's a good start. They, they want to know what I think. And so maybe they'll listen again in a year's yes. time. Yes, no, I've got something right. else to say. That's right. It's exactly so. Yes. So you spent many years running St Paul's Girls School. What do you think the benefits of single sex education are? Well, I suppose I'm most qualified to talk about single-sex education for girls, although I think the boys' arena is interesting as well. I think that, unfortunately, there is still a huge amount to do in the world of work, in the adult environment, before we really have proper gender equality and, and the recognition of, 
of the contribution that women can make. And a lot of people say, well, given that, you know, why, why would you educate girls separately? Surely they've got to sort of learn to play nicely with men straight away. Is that great saying, isn't it? The life's co-educational, so school should be too. Exactly, exactly. I actually don't, I don't think that that's the right way to tackle the problem. To me, what girls' schools can do is really focus on building up the confidence, the resilience, the sense of deep inner certitude that you need as an individual in adult life. The girls in a girls' school don't have any sense that maths and science are meant to be harder. They don't have any sense that they can't be cast in any part in a play. I was struck by uh, the fact that the new, I think, female director of of the Globe had introduced a sort of gender-neutral casting. Well, you know, in a girls' school, the girls have played all the parts (laughs) since forever. You're going to do Macbeth. It's going to be a girl that will play Macbeth. No big deal. So, So the girls learn to have absolute confidence that they can do anything and the sort of gender divide is just not a thing in a girls school so when those girls with all that strength go out into the co-educational world they're fortified with that belief in themselves that cool steady gaze that certainty that what they have to say is interesting that they don't have to wait till all the men in the room have spoken first now they find it, of course, an enormous shock to walk into a multinational company or a law firm and see that actually it's not like that no. everywhere. But I think they need that building up at the beginning. And that, I think, is the way the girls' school have, have, if you like, a very forward-thinking role to play in society. It's often said, you know, it's St Trinian's, it's all a thing of the past, move on. Actually, we're building within girls' schools the kind of strength that we're going to need to deal with these issues which are just not going away so easily. You know, I think it's not a bad thing that the girls go into those environments and and think, crikey, this isn't what school was like. No. We've got to do something here. And it gives them the impetus to make change. And and, and because they've, they've known what it's like for that not to be a thing. So that is the model that they want to create where they go. I'm not against co-education. I'm, I'm in favour of choice. But I, I think the risk is that in, in a co-educational environment, if you like, that sort of girls kind of subtly get used to playing nicely and to being girls and to taking their place. Slightly uh, underneath A little bit. Men. A little bit. Or to addressing these inequality issues in very feminine ways, yeah. if you like, which is, of course, is a thing and uh, is not necessarily a thing I would want to entirely denigrate. But they don't have this solid, straightforward, headlamps full-on confidence that the girls' school My gives goodness, them. this is sexism. What's this? It's unacceptable. <laughs> exactly. We're not having this. We're not having it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So a girl from St Paul's, if asked to take the notes or make the tea in a meeting, would say, why don't you do it? Yes, quite. And actually that assertiveness is, I think, really important. Of course, they say, you know, we, we, we surveyed them a few years ago about the workplace culture and where, where so much of this rather shocking stuff came back. And, and they do make the point that for many people in a work environment, really a assertive women are not not seen as attractive and and that you have to manage that but again you know that's part of the un- unconscious bias that just got to deal with yes and the girls from a girls only environment you have that confidence they're ready to name it call it and out it and deal with it this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june 
Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In a female school, girls-only school, do you find that there's an exaggerated instance of mental health issues or worries about weight all of those things that teenage girls can be unkind to each other about mental ill health amongst the young is a is a big problem now and it would be absurd for me to say that i've not seen any playing out of that in the schools that i've led of course i have but it's it's a universal thing i don't think it's more particular to girls schools girls put themselves under pressure in certain ways i think they they want to do well, they want to be successful, they can be quite perfectionist. They set their bar very high yes. always for themselves and they're very self they're self critical and self questioning. So that that brings with it the potential for some of the manifestations of tension and stress to play out yeah. in their physical lives and in their relationships and so on. But also I mean the greater ability of us as a society to talk about these mental health issues is surely helping keep people away from the the edges it's less of a taboo isn't it to much less and and that's been a big change i would say in the last in the last five years when when we started to see articles in the press and so on about mental health we we took a very conscious decision at St Paul's that we would we would develop a health and well-being policy that we would get it talked about that we would be quite open about the fact that we were occasionally managing issues of one kind and another within the school no more so statistically than anywhere else in society but there it was it was an issue we had to deal with and and I felt that if we were prepared to talk about it, then that would encourage other schools to do the same. Yeah. And so it proved to be. And another thing I think that, that was eased by that was parents not feeling 
that if they were worried about their daughter because of her weight or uh, her mood swings, they weren't afraid anymore to come in and talk to us about it. They didn't see it as a badge of shame and they would come in, you know, very often, as always with these situations, it's much more complicated than just the one presenting individual that we see. It's often the context in the family, there's a complicated situation there. And we would perhaps be able to help the bigger picture by getting parents to feel confident to come in and explain to us what they were seeing at home and some of the um, the surrounding circumstances. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what you said earlier about this collaborative relationship yeah. that parents' children have with a great school. Yes. I mean, the other part of that, of, of course, is the teaching staff. And presumably the quality of the teachers make a big contribution to whether a school is going to succeed or fail do you have thoughts on that yes yes I'm just I'm just remembering um on one of my very early days at the school standing on the the sort of marble concourse which is really in the heart of the school I I think it was at the end of assembly or something the girls whizzing to and fro on the way to their lessons and and one girl came past a huge huge grin on her her face and she said Miss Har I just love Latin (laughs) Dr Barron absolutely great I just love Latin so off she went yes I saw there how the girls could be absolutely touched with fire by teachers who were incredibly enthusiastic about their subject incredibly knowledgeable and what a thrilling experience learning is when you're in the presence of a, a really gifted teacher yes quite. Um, yeah. lot, lots of us who've read academic subjects at university can always point to one inspiring teacher that opened the doors yes to that subject no exactly so i think the teaching staff are very important in in a school like st paul's you need people with very particular kinds of skill and we put huge huge care into appointing teachers yeah. to the school that's going to be um, my next question is how do you, how how do you recruit great staff well i think the staff are a team and one of the things that draws good teachers to you is the feeling that not only is the teaching going to be stimulating and enjoyable, that they're going to have a great time working together. And I think what we built up there at St Paul's was a fabulous sense of collaborative enjoyment, of working together, all there with that common purpose to sort of somehow enable and encourage these extraordinary young women with their multiple abilities and potential and talents almost you know how could it be all be contained how could it just how could it all be channeled but the thrill and the enjoyment of doing that was something people felt very strongly and I think you know that good feeling if you like got out and people wanted to come to St Paul's not just because it was incredibly academic and you know prestigious or or whatever but because it was just great fun being there great fun working there it was always always a very telling moment when I would ring up the candidate and offer them the job and what I like to do would be to ring and say you know good news Stephanie we all really enjoyed meeting you yesterday and we'd like to offer you the job. Now, occasionally, I can remember one occasion where I did that and I heard this sort of stifled screaming in the background and, and, <laughs> and she was obviously probably in the pub with a group of friends and she, I've got it, I've got it! And you, you had this hysteria behind and then I knew we'd made the right decision of because course. the joy Absolutely. was there from the beginning. What do you think schools like St Paul's can teach or mentor or bring to the vast majority of schools in this country which are state and in need of some of these tips. I don't think the private sector is so much there to teach the maintained sector. I think what 
what I would love to see as a much more widespread characteristic is the freedom to use your professional judgment, your imagination, your creativity, your passion for education to serve the needs of your students and what the problem with the with many schools in the maintained sector is that they are hamstrung either by very limited resources or by being if you like at the whim of changing policy and new initiatives and masses and masses of paperwork and unnecessary levels of bureaucracy that are all the time distracting them from if you like that that propitious situation where you've got eager students and wanting to learn uh, eager to learn yeah. and and actually all young people are eager to learn yeah. you just got to give them the right context i mean i think one answer to the question why school matters is because of the social mobility problem that we have still have in this country and without doing something about the maintained sector that is always going to remain a problem a challenge i agree and and i suppose it's i mean it's so obvious that what we would all ideally want is for any child regardless of their background to to absolutely know that a great education was available to them whatever that might mean and i think a diverse system is a good system because children's needs vary so i don't believe in there only being one that, that, that as it were the best interest is served by the offer being the same for everyone but everyone should be able to have an education from which they can benefit and the fact that at the moment we have such a divided education system and there is so much animosity towards the private sector it's obviously very unsatisfactory if you take the very long view it would be great to see a situation where private education in the sense of fee-paying education that excludes those who can't pay was not necessary at all. But my view is that the way to that is not by destroying the private sector that we have because there is so much good practice there and so much modelling of individual forms of excellence that what we need to do is to, at the moment, to take a pragmatic line, to make those as widely available as yes. we can. So what we were doing at St Paul's was not to say well, this shouldn't exist. The view that we had taken was, well, let's try to make this as widely available as we can. Let's build up the bursary programme. Another barrier, I suppose, is getting the school to move towards those people and those families who might benefit, who are not in, if you like, the natural milieu in which they would have heard of the school. So many of our most gifted and most interesting girls came to the school on bursaries would never have heard of St Paul's. So how would we find them? So we had to work to achieve that. that. And what about this idea of partnerships between maintained schools and private schools of of excellence? Did St Paul's do any of that? Have you seen that working? Yes, we did. And we had a very strong relationship uh, right from its inception with Hammersmith Academy, Mm -hmm. which now has its own beautifully designed premises. But when they before they had a building, they started in a couple of porter cabins in our playground, so we got to know them very well then. I think relationships across the sectors are important, so long as they're seen as as real partnerships and yeah. reciprocal and, and, and not sort of entered into as if you know the private sector is somehow you know handing down tablets of stone from its long experience in a kind of patronising patronizing way. I think the problem is that private schools all want to do their bit to enhance education nationally, either by contributing good policies or by sharing their resources online or by working with individual schools to to raise standards. But it is difficult when you never know whether enough what is enough. I think that's that's a problem. I mean, you don't 
you don't run a private school to have lots of spare capacity. You run it as tightly as you can as a business. So you don't you don't have masses of spare teachers washing around drinking coffee in the staff room who could be going off to teach in no, another school no. because they, they're in the classroom teaching. I think it, it boils down to the fact that the private schools have charitable status and standards in the maintained sector are always wanting to be improved and yet they're cutting the, the funding. The lack of resources in, in the maintained sector I think can be, you, you can point to that as as one of the reasons why there is this divide in in achievement. Lack of esteem for teachers is another big yes. thing. You know, it's not seen as a high status profession. If it's not seen as a high status profession, the best people won't want to do it. Right. And they're not going to raise the standards of the pupils. So there's a lack of aspiration, not not of course across the whole maintained sector that would be absurd and I've taught in the maintained sector and seen some very aspirational work but generally speaking there is that sense of a put upon and sort of bled white force where the spiral is somehow spiral is somehow downward and we need to do something about that I think and I think it's the the esteem of the profession is really at the heart of it. There's programmes like Teach First and I can't remember what the more mature one is, Teach Last. Teach On. Teach On. (laughs) Teach Last would be good. I could go and do that. (laughs) Do you think they've made any difference? I do. I do. I mean, Teach First was an incredible initiative. I can't remember exactly what the date was, but but not long ago, I think Teach First and PwC were the top two graduate employers. So suddenly, if you were an incredibly bright graduate, it was cool to teach. I mean, how did that happen? I mean, there were some things about Teach First, which, you know, has a slightly seat of the pants kind of quality to them. So you're parachuted into a a six-week training programme to become a teacher, and then you're parachuted into an incredibly difficult school, and they all are very, very challenging environments. Some of the girls from St Paul's did it, and it was the toughest thing they'd ever done in their lives, by a long way, doing that. But... Some great heads have come through Teach First. I had several members of staff who had taught at Teach First and then come to St Paul's and the grounding they'd had there had been amazing. Well, it goes back to your experience. You, yes. So you learnt more in that, oh, however it, many months, years it was in that tough t- school. T- two years in the spin dryer. It was, it was very formative. So I think Teach First has been absolutely brilliant. The only thing I feel about it is, you know, for those of us who have pursued our entire career in teaching, it's the first bit. Teach first. Why first? Yes. Why not just carry on? You know, before you go into management consultancy or something much more glamorous and highly paid and higher status, you teach first so you can really... Well, that's the uh, criticism. You know, and, I, and I think that's unfortunate. But, you know, that's very much outweighed by the benefit of having got the attention of the top graduates to make them think this might be something they want to do. You mentioned about uh, Hammersmith Academy yeah. and them starting off in temporary accommodation mm. in your playground. How important do you think the physical environment of a school is to its success, its happiness, its contribution that it can make to its pupils? Physical environment, in my view, is fundamental to all of us. Your work environment, your school environment, it has a a really significant impact on your experience there. And for all of us, the, the spaces we inhabit, the built environment, as well as our opportunity to be on plan air, as it were, is fundamental to our well-being. I think the physical environment of the school is absolutely vital. And one of the frustrating things about the state sector is that I don't think appropriate investment is made in designing and thinking about what what a school should be like. Hammersmith Academy was fortunate in having a, 
a very imaginative building designed for them, but all school buildings should be places where beauty has been thought about, where there is enough space, where corridors are not congested, where there's enough natural light coming in, where materials are natural where possible. Uh, because it has a, a very immediate impact on the behaviour of the children and on their ability to concentrate and all those things which create an environment, you know, in which learning is likely to occur. Mm. So, I and, think, and uh, for their environment to socialise, presumably. Absolutely, too. yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's another very interesting one. You know, what spaces do you create for socialising in a school? I, w- I was lucky enough to visit some schools in on the east coast of the United States a few years ago and I was talking to the head there about about social space and common rooms because there's always this problem of you know where do you put the common room because you know are they going to smoke in it or <laughs> play the music too loud or and how are you going to police it etc and she said to me don't build any common rooms Clarissa just sit and look at where they move where do they go where do they hang out where do they congregate where do they cluster and having done that for a year she had decided she wasn't going to have any common rooms at all and they created social space around literally the crossroads in the middle of the school which is where they kind of hung out yeah, and they so created the natural place the natural place so you you need to look at i think architects call them desire lines you need to mm-hmm. look at where people want to move and almost build around build around that when you're developing sites so it's a really i find it a fascinating area of thinking and not enough, not, not enough deliberate focus is given to that in schools no, sure. a lot of the time, I think. Clarissa, thank you so much. It's been a revelatory conversation. Thank you, Arabella. I've so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. That was Clarissa Farr in conversation with Arabella Pike. Our programme today was brought to you by William Collins, an imprint of HarperCollins Publishers, and was produced by Matt Hill at Rethink Audio. People who helped put this episode together are Anushka Tate, Tara L. Azawi, and Jack Chalmers. Share your thoughts on this podcast by emailing ideasmatter at harpercollins.co.uk or on social at WM Collins Books. You can buy The Making of Her, Why School Matters, as a hardback audiobook or ebook where Clarissa dives even deeper into the ideas discussed this week. Thank you for listening, and uh, keep an eye out for the first chapter from the audiobook of The Making of Her, which will appear in this feed on Friday. And we'll meet you back here next week when we'll discuss whether charity can actually alleviate poverty with Magnus McFarlane Barrow. There can be a temptation to think that you have to conform to, to the way other people have done things or the expectations that other people might have and, and a fear of almost being laughed at if you, if you have too ambitious uh, a vision. To hear that episode first, don't forget to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify and on Acast. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.